Welcome to the Wing Chun Podcast, the Sifu's Stories, the place where the world's most renowned Sifus share their stories and insights. I am your host, Bogdan Brosho. We're here with uh, Sifu Jack Ling, and I'm very, very excited to hear more about his uh, journey, how he started out with uh, Wing Chun, with martial arts in general, and a bit from his wisdom, because uh, I'm sure he's got a lot of valuable uh, gems that he could share with us. Sifu, Jack, please tell us more about how you started with martial arts and a bit about your journey. I actually, uh, when I was a small kid, around five years old, my mother uh, brought the teacher to the house to train me in natural style. You may have heard that, eh? and it's the basic natural style. Then when we went to Hong Kong, natural style did not exist at the time. Natural so, style. Okay. Yeah, natural. Natural style. Right? I've never heard of that before. I've heard yeah. of mantis style dragon, but like... Well, natural style is a, um, a northern style mm-hmm. that uh, is oftentimes associated with uh, which is a um, an earlier form of, of internal Tai Chi. Um, Interesting. And so anyway, it, it uh, went to Hong Kong, and I was around eight, nine years old, and then I liked to fight, so I got in school, I get into fights. Then I met, fought this kid. This kid says, oh, you should really find, uh, meet somebody to learn something. So he took me to this place on the second floor, and there was a big man there, and I said, oh, hi. And he says, look, I'm Leung Sung, so what do you, you want to leave too young to learn? That, that time I was about 12. I said, I'll challenge you first. Yeah. Okay, so I'll do kicks and jumps. And he said, of course, he said, you get all tied out, you will not even get close to me. Right. So you can stand there in the corner and watch. So I watched for a couple of weeks, and he says, okay, you do the standing. Mm-hmm. So I said, this is a weird looking stance. <laughs> I remember I was doing the other kind. Absolutely. And I'm sure that and, everyone listening, the first time that they did the, the first form, they said, what, why am I doing this? This is so, this is so awkward. Yes, that's right. It's awkward. And he will adjust my body, my spine, my how low I stood. I did that for actually a total of eight months. But in about six months, he said, I'll stand on your back leg. Now, he is almost six feet, 200, and around 240 pounds. Right. He got in the back of my leg. He even sat in the back and stood there. Mm-hmm. And I was able to stand firm and stand straight. So he said, okay, you're ready to learn Sunita. That's how I got started. So did you, ju- did you just stay in that stance for six months? That was your whole, that was the training? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Nothing else? Nothing else. Wow. He was also trying to figure out how patient I was, whether yeah. I would be a good student. Right, so, because yeah. normally they don't teach kids that young. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Yip Man, uh, Grandmaster Yip Man said, no foreigners, foreigners including northerners, in order to try that. Oh. <laughs> and anyone younger than 12 year old, because we're too dumb to understand what's going on. Wow. Yeah, so, that, is, that is so interesting. But, yeah, so I was there, 
And uh, and then I did the ceiling top for another three months. Mm -hmm. Wow. So, this is yeah, yeah th this is a huge test of patience, and I, I can't help but wonder what what motivated you to keep going. I mean, just sitting there for for six months and just doing like that stance. I mean, it it takes a lot, a lot of patience, especially for for a child. So, what was it that kept you going in that sense? I was very curious as to what it was Wing Chun was about. Mm -hmm. I did not understand a lot of things. People were doing. Right. I did not understand cheese out. Mm -hmm. I thought that was silly. So I didn't know understand it. But I said there must be something to it because it was a very popular form in Hong Kong. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I was stubborn. I was a stubborn kid. Yeah. Well, you have to be to to uh, you know do the form for six months and then do the the position and then uh, just the form for three months. Yeah, I, I if if it were my case, I would have said, you know what, I'm gonna do karate. Forget this. <laughs> <laughs> Probably yes. Awesome. So what happened after that? You when when did it start making sense for you? Well, after that, partly because I was so young, Leung Sheng would actually teach me himself. Mm -hmm. So. I did the um, single hand, the uh, the side turning, punching okay. drill. Did the um, uh, la sao and si sao with him, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and then I did it with him in a pr private lesson on Saturday mornings. Actually, early late Saturday mornings for three hours. So that allowed me to get a sense of what it feels like and then he showed me what how to train each movement what he saw was about okay training of sensitivity training of distance a proper structure that i don't use no i was only at 12 years old a small 120 pounds maybe and he was much bigger is you have to learn how to use under elbow power. We, we heard right. the term before. That's a big term. And then how to keep me, a big person, charging into you mm -hmm. from falling backwards. Yes. All right. So it's a, it's a feeling of redirecting his energy coming in into the ground, into the floor, through my elbow, into the body and, and, and the feet. Mm -hmm. After I got the experience of that, then... I found out what it meant to turn a little, with my whole my back, back, back leg stance to shift it. Right? Mm -hmm. that, was, that is the second form Tommy Kiel. Yeah. I was learning that, and he took me through the drills for Tommy Kiel. Those were very important drills for me, being a smaller kid, mm -hmm. of how to use various, again, every single hand. In Tamkyo. And he showed me how they were linked with Sunita. Yeah. The hands in Sunita. So then I began to understand how it's a complete system and why I was standing there, what was going on, and so forth. So after that, he would have me touch hands with some of the senior students. And he'd say, okay, they're weak in these areas. You do this with them. Mm -hmm. 
and drop on the ground and so forth. And then he tells the seniors, see, even this 12-year-old can beat you, so you're no good. <laughs> so again, I learned a lot, and I learned how to be punched because the seniors are mad at After several hours of private lessons, of course the 12-year-old will kick your ass. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's how he's taught. He tried to, he was a very humble person. He wanted to teach his seniors to not to, to be humble. Yes. They go and fight all the time. Yeah. And they come back and boast, right? Yeah. So he said, okay, you boast because people you fought were not good. <laughs> the techniques are really bad because you can't even do anything with a 12 year old. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I had a lot of fun. Uh, sounds, sounds like a lot of fun. Sounds like, yeah, awesome. Oh, so um, how did you decide to teach? Well, I didn't really decide, okay? Uh, my teacher said to me when I left Hong Kong, you study well, mm -hmm. you be successful, and don't teach Wing Chun for money. Really? Yes. How come? So it's a very tough life. Studying, developing your skill, making a good living is important. Mm -hmm. Treat Wing Chun as a hobby. Mm. Interesting. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just, I, as a kid, I didn't understand all that. I didn't remember the words. And then in, in the States, I felt I needed to have some practice and exercise okay. with somebody. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I joined a group of about 42 black belts of different backgrounds. Right? And sounds, like the, sounds like the Yip Man movie, the first... Uh... Kind of. It's, it's like with, with Goju, I love Goju, Ishing Ru. I like Taekwondo. Taekwondo was not as interesting to practice with, but Ishinu and Goju were very powerful. Right. And in short, I like them a lot. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's because they also have roots in China, so the hand movements were not that dissimilar. I, if uh, I'm not mistaken, Goju Ryu actually means um, hard and soft in the same motion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. And they were very good. Mm -hmm. um, they showed how they trained initially as being very hard. Right. And we'll, we'll punch each other in the stomach. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right. That's always fun. The soft part as well, yeah. And, yeah, that's always fun, punching uh, your uh, training partner in the stomach <laughs> and getting punched. Yeah. <laughs> and so I started teaching just for fun. I, I taught uh, people so that I can get some training to touch hands with somebody. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Awesome. So, um, how was it for you, uh, you know, comparing or using your Wing Chun initially in, uh, because I know from my, uh, from my experience when I went out of, of the school because, um, I became accustomed to my, uh, my training partner's reactions and the way they were fighting. And when I was playing around with, um, karate people or boxing guys or kickboxing guys, it would be a bit different, right? I would have to adjust. What was the feeling for you training with uh, these high skills, high skill karate people? It was interesting because um, after I get over the anxiety of, of, of really having kumite uh, with people I don't, I did not know, I did not understand, and being able to land punches and kicks and mm -hmm. stepping kicks, I felt confident. And the confidence allow me to move into the right distance. So being afraid initially and anxious 
I was keeping away, and so that was giving distance for Karateka and all these people to, to have the best distance. Right. Guys, listen up. Yeah. Listen up because this is very, very valuable information that you're getting right now. So, yeah, this is, uh, this is already fighting strategy that uh, Sifu Jack is, uh, is sharing. So be very, very uh, attentive to what he's sharing right now. Yes, pl please continue. And once I learned that I need to control a certain distance, I remember in Sisao, my teacher said, Sisao in part is to learn to control your best distance mm -hmm. between you and your opponent. Right? So you need to always be controlling the center line yes. and the distance. Yes. And so we did a lot of back leg moving up the tongue step. He pulled me across the room so I can move in. Mm -hmm. Then he'll push me backwards on my back leg. Right. So I feed him. So the receiving and giving back the energy when people move away. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. song, right? Was trained by my teacher in, in private lessons. So that found out that when I fought with the different styles, once I move in to the right distance, I can follow through and apply the Spontaneously, Loi Lao Hui Song. So they move backwards, many of them do. Yeah. Step in and punch them. If they charge in, I do Tang Kyo and turn slightly sideways and deflect. Yes. And then also hit them. And I always try to maintain the distance. Taekwondo was the hardest because they jump away. Right. And so I don't chase them. And when they jump in to fight, come in to fight me, that's when I close in. Mm -hmm. I fought a 64 African-American gentleman, came back from Korea, for black, black dog. Mm -hmm. He's a total gentleman, and we, we, we will fight, and he jumped in and out. He says, no, we won't, we can't fight. I said, then we don't, because he jumps away so much, and he come, comes in, and he can't control my hands. Right. So... We did not practice a whole lot together, but I got a good again a sense of what my teacher said. Wing Chun doesn't chase. Mm, interesting. Closes gaps, but does not chase. We're not good at chasing. So I learned that single leg, back leg stance moving forward. You move forward only for short distances, but not for chasing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. great distance. So Winchun people who try to chase and find the back leg inadequate and they start using the front leg and start skipping as though they were they were some other style mm -hmm. is a mistake. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right, you can do that if you're practicing another style. But for Wing Chun, that would be a mistake. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I found it as well to be to become very, very difficult when you're sitting and uh, you have your heels connected to the ground to be fast in and out with uh, with your stepping. Um, so, yeah, if you want to be fast, you have to compromise some structure and uh, use the tips of, of your feet. Absolutely. Um, I, yeah, and I think a good it's a good combination between the two of them, knowing when to do what and uh, when. 
let me ask you, how did you get, because a lot of people sparring or, you know, trying to test their Wing Chun or find, refine their skills, they go through this anxiety of, um, of fighting someone that they don't actually know. How did you get over that anxiety initially? Well, my teacher was a Bapmei and Dragon Style master before he started Wing Chun. Mm -hmm. So most of us, once I've met uh, senior students or trained to fight that those start, my teacher will use those spots to, to help us train our Wing Chun. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So even before I fought anyone outside Wing Chun, yes. I, I tra we're training in these different styles. So when I actually met these black belts and fighting, I had some experience in doing that. And going, so going into the central line was easy because they are very strong on the outside. Right. And, and so when I was a smaller person and I was using, and you know, we don't use a lot of force. We basically use structure. Right. Mm -hmm. So, to, to really fight them, it's more dangerous. But to penetrate into the into the middle was the way, was the best way to do it. Mm -hmm. I still don't fight from the outside uh, because the outside is very dangerous. I go to the outside only when I am having trouble. When the person charges into me, I turn to the side, and there is you know a blocking and kicking stepping move. Uh, my teacher taught me to kick a lot because I was small. Step kicks. Yes. Right. Yes. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. And um, while you're um, you're talking, I'm already seeing all the movements, all the uh, all the action. Awesome. Yeah, guys. Um, Please uh, leave a comment and thank Sifu Jack for his uh, input because he's dropping. I, you know, depending on where you're at with your Wing Chun, you're going to get different levels of, uh, of value out of this conversation. Like the more experience you have, the more this stuff actually makes sense. And, uh, and you're getting like a lot of aha move moments. Awesome. Sifu Jack, what, what is your favorite Wang Chun related story that you've experienced and that you could share with us? Favorite Wing Chun experience would be when I first met uh, my Sidai, Ken Chung. Mm -hmm. um, that was, I've never met him before, but he started after I left Hong Kong. He was a much bigger person with longer hands. And when I met him, I've not been uh, practicing with anyone for a decade. And I'm a university teacher and administrator, so I do, and psychotherapist, so I do a lot of things in my private life. Awesome. I practice on my own, but not touch hands with anybody. So I met this man, I didn't know who he was. Right. And he said, oh, he said, um, who are you? And I said, I'm a student. I just walked into the mobile. And he said, okay, let's see. And of course, what he did was touching was very light. You can hardly feel his hands. He yeah. would do that self. Right? Very strong that self. Yeah. Move backwards. And I automatically did uh hands out and went in the pole pot. Right. And he said, huh? Okay. You're like so student. <laughs> and then I got back into practice. <laughs> 
Yeah. I believe uh-huh. you now. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, that's that's good. That's good. <laughs> I always tell my students, you know, because they they get excited and they want to tell their friends about Wing Chun, you know, it's oh we have the tans out, we have the bongs. I said, "No, no, don't talk. Just show." <laughs> Yeah, yeah, for sure, exactly. For sure. We always say, don't talk. Talk with your hands. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They will believe. After you, you allow them to feel like the, the speed and uh, the structure, they will be very interested. Tell me more about Wing Chun. And say, okay, come, right. come to class. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah. yeah. And since then, I've, I've known Ken for a long time. And, and my, what he has done with Wing Chun, I think he's applied some of the Tai Chi principles to it, mm-hmm. uh, uh, and uh, but he's a very good Wing Chun uh, player. His hands. Yeah. Have you have you practiced any other martial arts that complemented to your um, your Wing Chun skills, or have you focused exclusively on Wing Chun? Exclusively on Wing Chun, but I still do standing meditation, mm-hmm. standing Danzong, right? In, my earlier training mm-hmm. in the medical side. And I still do, when I was younger, I did push-ups, finger push-ups, two fingers push-ups. Nice. I did those because that was very basic training for natural style. Mm-hmm. But as I got older, it was very hard on my, on my fingers, so I stopped doing that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but standing uh, type of zanzong helps me clear my mind, helped me get rooted, relaxed, then I do the singing now. That's very nice. Very nice. Yes. I've, I've been playing recently a lot more with uh, with meditation. I'm currently meditating for one hour a day. And this is a huge difference in, in my life. And uh, I see a difference in my Wing Chun as well. And I recommend this to a lot of you know, most people training Wing Chun or any kind of martial arts to implement meditation in their lives because their performance will grow. How do you feel? Do you teach standing meditation um, in your classes? I try to do that with my classes, but most students will start doing singing power. Mm-hmm. As, I, as I learned it, in trying to relax, to breathe. Yes. I... Uh, and I have them stand in an EG kingdom, but relaxing mm-hmm. different parts of the body and not move yes. until they relax certain parts of the muscles. Nice. And then they move with their joints, right? Yes. Uh, so joints and ligaments is what we always talk about in, mm-hmm. in terms of what we train. So they actually stand. Um, for about, I would say, 10 minutes or so, mm-hmm. and try to relaxing their shoulder, dropping their arms, and relaxing and keeping the body straight, the head's not to the side, right, and look forward. Mm-hmm. Not think much. Then they do the Sunin Tao, which already is very, very slow, because you want yourself, the shoulders to be relaxed, your body to be in right position, your back to be the lower lower back to be tucked in, breathe with your with your dandy, okay? mm-hmm. and then when you do 
the, the very slow movement, the breathing, coordinating with the hand movements, making sure the elbow is the only thing that is moving your hand, mm -hmm. right? And breathe through, you need to breathe in and out with your movements. Right? Yes. That takes about 15 minutes. Alright, so they do not finish singing now for less than 20 to 25 minutes. That's actually a meditation in and of itself. Yeah, yeah that's a meditation in itself. Mm -hmm. So, being able to do Wu Zhao in singing Tao with the elbow down, restful, mm -hmm. and move slowly. So, even when I use force to hit their Wu Zhao yeah. without straining, as long as they focus, they can receive it with no trouble. Yes, yes, and it's actually much, much stronger. That's the, the paradox. The more you, you uh, tap into that soft power, the stronger you actually become. Yeah, so that's what they do in training already. So they move so, so So you mean to say that you don't have your students sit in the position for six months and then... No, 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 they will not <laughs> Traditional style. <laughs> but they always go back to the union town. Yes. Because they find out when they do second form, they, they do the single leg stand first. I think we practice that on, the, on one foot. Yes. They found they have to go back to earlier union town training mm -hmm. to even make sure the body is balanced enough. Restful and balanced enough to do the single leg. Right? And then when they do Tom Q, it's really on the back leg. Most of the, most of your body weight is yes. like the single leg. So when they can't do it right, they go to the single leg training and then back to the sitting top, right? So it's really a long Always time. Come back to the sitting top. Yeah. Sequentially, yeah. developmentally, it's really a long time. And I don't have a lot of students each time. It's a batch of, of seven or eight people. So I can take, I can really train them, shape each one when they come. That is good. And that helps save a lot of time. Yeah, yeah, that is good. Giving, you know, having a fewer people, but giving like real high quality training. Yeah. And um, I remember now as we were talking, I, was, I remember um, the interview with Sifu Nima King, who was talking about Chishun Tin. And uh, he was asking Yip Man, you know, about the form and, you know, how you access that internal power. And Yip Man just said, just keep doing the Sinem Tao, you know, just do the form, do the form and uh, you'll get it. Yeah, yeah, it's very, very powerful. Um, how, did, how did Wing Chun help you on your journey to becoming a um, psychotherapist and how did psychotherapy help you become a better teacher? Actually, I used... When she's out, and I use a lot of the early the hands with clients or and with students that are being trained to be psychologists, and are actually um, working through some of their their stress and fears and so forth. Wing Chun allowed them to focus, yes, to overcome the fear of intimacy. Oh, nice. Uh, to uh, be able to touch, to pay attention to their own bodies and what they're feeling, mm -hmm. and, and to really not not be afraid, not to, to realize in many ways 
their very fundamental response to, to distance. They have very, they feel comfortable at certain distance. They, when they touch hands, they, they feel, well, you've got to stand away a little bit. Yeah. The closeness that we do, we almost touch each other anyway. That, that was scary. The motto is, if I don't smell your breath, if we're not close enough. Well, and that was scary. So, so you have so, to have so you have to have mints before you uh, yeah mints every definitely. time yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then of course putting the fists on the chest and being able to be always hitting without using power but mm -hmm. helping them over time to overcome the fear of being hit mm. and to look at me when I have my hands in their face mm. and not look away. A lot of these help them in therapy to come in touch with who they are and some of this fear. As you know in meditation, when you meditate, one of the things you go through are these imageries and feelings coming out and scary stuff. And they actually work through with touching hands these experiences. And we can then talk, talk through as we're doing it. So as a format for therapy, for someone who I've, you know, are not really vulnerable, right? Not, 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 I mean, psychotic or schizophrenic issues and so forth. Simply people with uh, anxiety disorders and other types of issues. That works out very well. For sociopathic people, that works out very well too, because they really want to hit you and hurt you. And to be able to control them, make them feel they can't do a thing. And then we talk about what it feels like to control others that way. Interesting. Yeah. Very interesting. So yeah, term, it's very good for me to understand uh, what I call the dance of therapy and to come in to understand what, the, what issues you have. Because you need to talk about coming to be in touch as you play with your heart. The heart involves mind, body, and spirit. Okay. This is this is so so powerful. Um, you know, and people who are listening, they they probably know this. I'm I'm on a journey to to helping, and it sounds really crazy. Um, helping one million people unleash their power and, and heal themselves <laughs> through Wing Chun. And you know, when I when I started this thing out, I had no idea how am I going to do it. I had no actual cases that. You could use Wing Chun to heal yourself physically, emotionally, or um, uh, psychologically. And, you know, I, I just started out and then the right people showed up. One of my uh, international students, he used Wing Chun to uh, heal himself out of a coma. And not, not actually out of a coma, but to heal his body and be able to walk again after this coma. The doctor said it's, it was impossible. And... Um, uh, that happened last year, and I I really enjoy you sharing this um, this experience where you're helping people overcome their anxieties, their fears, or better understand their people through chi out through touching and through actual Wing Chun. It's, it it just helps me to realize a lot more the the power of of this uh, uh, art that we're uh, that we're doing. So yeah. Guys, if you're listening and um, you're a teacher, keep on sharing this this uh, knowledge with with people. You're gonna help a lot, a lot of people. Awesome.
um how did um how did you feel um you know when um when you took Wing Chun principles in um in your work right and um did you encourage people to share this these experiences with with others as well or teach cheese out or teach um what they learned with you well i think people who learn about these principles many of them will go into taiji a good, good friend of mine went into taiji and bagua and so forth and meditation in a serious way so they do get it, but they still stay with Wing Chun. They do still right. talk about Wing Chun. Others that do Wing Chun, they just practice Wing Chun. And they also talk about principles with other practitioners that way. Mm -hmm. So I think that's just the ability to say to other Wing Chun practitioners, relax and to articulate what it means to relax, what mm -hmm. you're trying to come to terms with. When you touch hands, when you have somebody charging into you, and there's nothing seeming you can do, what you do is relax, breathe. Yes. That being able to constantly say to each other that is really a plus. I think that is a great positive plus for developing one's own heart. Oh, that's nice. That is nice. Excellent. Excellent. What would you advise, you know, or what could you share with uh, everyone listening? Um, what tips do you have to, um, you know, to further improve on whatever they're doing or to get a deeper understanding of their Wing Chun? What could we do differently or add? I think the hardest thing for at least folks, uh, younger generation to Wing Chun, is they want to fight too much. They want to learn things very fast. They want to feel powerful. Feeling powerful is something I always suggest not to do. When you feel powerful, you probably are not generating much power, impact on other people. You just feel powerful. Your muscles are tense. Yes. And so, when you practice Wing Chun, do not be afraid of not feeling powerful. Because when you're relaxed, you don't feel powerful in the sense that people usually define power. Yeah. And when you do yati tongjun or anything like that, moving with your elbow, it's really a pressing pull. Uh, do not be impatient and say, I'm hard, I'm not going to hurt this big man. Yeah. Right? And to know that. And my students and friends know that I do a I put up my fist relaxed on their on their breastbone, and I just tighten my fist and they bounce off. If they don't, they're gonna hurt. Right. And to show them that being relaxed and just tightening the fist a little bit, mm. okay, by tightening, it really is going in slightly, it's tilting a little bit. It goes into the person's body strong enough. The other person feels the ones who are complaining it's not powerful, it's not much. They experience it, and then they again understand the paradox is the word you use between relaxation and being powerful. Feeling not powerful and actually being not powerful. Being powerful and actually not generating any power. That is so. That is so awesome. I, I think it's it's the definition of um, of humility. 
Yes, you're right. Absolutely. There needs to be some sense of humility. Of lear to learn, you have to be humble, yes. to be open, right? That you yes. can be changed by others, and that you will be spend time move beyond. Otherwise, you cannot learn. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's especially difficult when you think you know, and mm -hmm. you find out that there's so much more to learn and to explore, and uh, that's that's a defining moment, I think. Yes, I think so. To realize there's so much to learn, no matter how firmly you're committed to a particular approach. Yes. To constantly remind yourself, first you have better martial artists than you are always. And then the other styles, long history behind them, yes. have wisdom embodied embodying what they do, and we can learn from them. Yes. That makes us better martial artists, better Wing Chun fighters, and Absolutely. better human beings. Absolutely. And um, I think it's the same with our lineages as well, with different lineages. You can always mm -hmm. learn something from, um, from different lineages. It doesn't matter. Who they are, what you know, it's just like being open mm -hmm. and uh, seeing what you what you can add to uh, to your wing. Yes, I think we can we can discuss, and there will be differences, and we can show. I always say show what you do when you practice. Do it this way. Mm -hmm. Use the impact, the effect. Be the persuasive portion, and not argue over yes. which is better or the other. Yes. So forth. Yeah. Yes. Excellent. Excellent. Sifu, Jacqueline, thank you so much for your time. I enjoyed this interview very much and uh, especially um, the last part about, um, you know, uh, when you think you're being powerful, you're actually not powerful. <laughs> it's a wonderful, wonderful description and uh, paradox. And um, yeah, I really enjoyed your, uh, your wisdom and I'm sure that everyone listening would uh, feel the same. Guys, Please leave a comment and uh, show some show your appreciation to uh, Sifu Jack. And uh, yeah. Well, I really appreciate the conversation to be able to share ideas, and I hope that everyone listening will feel free to also do the same to express their concerns, anxieties, um, and and really put on the table their own prejudices about how to write. <laughs> yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> excellent yeah we're looking forward to that very much great thank you so much guys um of course as always thanks for listening if you've enjoyed this episode of the wing chun podcast the seafood stories go ahead and share it with your friends and head out to addicted to wingchun.com to get more awesome free stuff and i'll see you next time